Hey everyone, it's Rachel here. I just wanted to give a few little announcements before we start this episode. Um, number one, I hope you guys are all doing okay. Um, with every week just comes more and more unknowns and scary news. Um, and I hope you all are taking care of yourselves and also maintaining your sanity. It's touch and go some days, I swear. <laughs> um, so this week we have an awesome interview. We introduce her in the intro, but first I just wanted to let you know, um, it's a Skype interview. So Jamie and I recorded on our end so you can hear us pretty clearly and you can hear um, our interviewee pretty clearly most of the time. Um, but you know, the internet is being overused right now. So there are a few points that you can tell it's a Skype interview. I just wanted to give that disclaimer right now. You know, Jamie and I are, you know, we're doing this remotely now and we're, we're still figuring things out to give you guys the best sound that, that we possibly can. So bear with us. I uh, just want to let you guys know. And also in the, in the end of this interview, we had, we had a whole section um, that actually got cut out. Um, it was a section on how to build um, adolescent programs in schools and how to start them. Um, and so we're just going to do another interview all about that. Um, this one focuses a lot on, you know, what it is to be an adolescent, you know, and what it is to be an adolescent guide. Um, and, and we also talk through how to, how to help your adolescent get through this time at home. Um, and that's more prevalent right now anyway. Um, so I think it's all right, but we'll set up a second interview um, so we can talk all about that because it's, it's truly fascinating. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Stay safe, stay warm. And um, we're thinking of you and we're here for you as always. So feel free to reach out to us. All right, enjoy. Hanging in there, much like yeah. you, I'm sure. I know. Um, day question mark of quarantine. Yep. Jeez. <laughs> um, yeah. What have some highlights of your week been? Anything fun? To um, uh, highlights of my week. Well, I did some yard work. Um, nice. Fought with some fought with some vines that were engulfing some trees in my backyard. Mm -hmm. which I've been ignoring for, you know, much longer than this quarantine. <laughs> um, so that was productive. How about you? Um, hmm, highlights. Um, we've been teaching my dog how to catch a tennis ball in his mouth, and he's getting really good at it. <laughs> so it's been really cute. Um, and other than that, oh, this quarantine has, I mean, we just have gotten to the point where my husband now will work out with me that it only took a quarantine to make <laughs> him want to do that. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's there's, exciting. There's silver linings and all of this. There is. Another silver lining, obviously, is this podcast. Um, it's just so fabulous to be able to do it a lot more than usual and um and also the people we get to interview and this week we got the amazing opportunity to interview Kira Donnelly um who is like an adolescent hero <laughs> she's um she's amazing she started a bunch of adolescent programs and she's currently the middle school coordinator at the Monmouth Montessori Academy up in New Jersey um Jamie you've known her for a bit right I only just met her mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I've gotten to 
I've gotten to know Kira this year and spend some time in in her environment. And um, we were just lucky to be able to, you know, listen to her practically on on her work with adolescents generally and and in the work she's done around the world, but then also specific to our current situation. She had some great tips and ideas of uh, how we can support adolescents at home. It was such a great interview in so many ways, but it was so fun to just hear about a new, you know, adolescence. I, I don't know much about that age age group. Um, and I know a lot of our listeners and people all over the world right now have an adolescent or a couple at home. Um, and that it, it presents a whole new set of challenges um, and how to support those children. So such a great and valuable interview. Um, I think you guys will really, really like it. And we'll be back before too long with some more exciting topics and discussions as we, you know, as we make sure we're carving out time for the podcast a lot more than we were um, before, since we've got our times a lot more flexible now. That's right. That's right. And it's such a good thing. So thank you all again for your support. um, And we hope you enjoyed this interview. Hey, everybody. We're so excited today. We have a very special guest on the podcast. Uh, We met her at the um, AMI Refresher course. Well, I met her. Jamie knew her before. But we have Kira Donnelly joining us. She is the Adolescent uh, Middle School Coordinator at the Monmouth Montessori Academy up in New Jersey. Right, Kira? Is that where that is? So welcome. Thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to do this interview in these uncertain times. And we, of course, have Jamie here. Say hello, Jamie. I'm here and welcome, Kira. I'm delighted to delighted to be able to talk with you. You know, when we when we talked in in February about doing this um, before all of this happened, we were just thinking about hearing about your experiences and especially working with adolescents. And now now we have a whole different world. Um but but we're still super glad to have you, even though I know you're not uh, seeing your your students face to face anymore right now. Yeah, it's it's just so crazy that that I I remember so vividly the refresher course and seeing you and meeting you. Um, that feels like ten years ago right now, um, and so funny that we are all in Seattle together <laughs> um, before all of this happened. Um, but yeah, so Kira, something that Jamie and I like to do, um, every time that we have someone on the podcast, um, we like to ask them what their Montessori story is. We feel that, well, we know that everybody has a unique path to Montessori, um, and every story is different. So could you share your Montessori story with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually one of those, uh, rare beasts that was a Montessori child, although I only went to Montessori school between when I was like four and five years old. Um, but I do remember the bead cabinet and the pink tower and my teacher who, um, was from Sri Lanka and wore a sari all the time, um, back in the early seventies. Um, so, so I was a Montessori child and sort of held that in my, in my brain all the way through, um, growing up I went into education right out of college and so was teaching adolescents right away um like 21 years old and in the high school program um, wow yeah mm-hmm. wow <laughs> that's a whole different conversation but um anyway <laughs> I really wanted to do right I like uh, fresh out but I, but I didn't like think Montessori would ever be part of my 
my journey. And I taught in, um, in high schools um, for a number of years. And then when I had my own children and was looking for a preschool program for them, the, the Montessori programs that I visited, I think I went to 10 or 12 programs. You know, you've got your first child and I wanted to find the right spot for her. And as an educator, I wanted to make sure, you know, that it had certain criteria and Montessori environments that I visited were once the ones that really spoke to me. Um, so she started in a Montessori preschool program and then moved into a public Montessori school. Um, and, and my other two children followed that as well. So my children were in, in Montessori programs and I really liked what was happening there. Um, but, you know, as an adolescent teacher, I didn't realize or think that there was a path in that space mm. um, until mm. new um, uh, Montessori adolescent program opened just down the street from my house, a seventh through 12th grade program. Um, that was Great River School in St. Paul, Minnesota. And, um, and they needed a math teacher. And I applied and got the job. And that sort of, that was in 2006. And the rest, as they say, is history. I, I immediately realized I'd found my place, that this was the right, you know, these were the people, this was the relationships, these were, this was how school should be done. Um, and, and so I went and got my elementary training, um, class of 2012, um, at the Montessori Center in Minnesota with Allison Oz, and then, um, did my adolescent training in 2018. Yeah. So I was at Great River School for nine years, and then I spent four years at the Montessori School of Tokyo starting an adolescent program there. And then um, and now I'm in uh, New Jersey starting an adolescent program here. So that's kind of my, my trajectory. Wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. Um, so what drew you to work with adolescents, that specific age group? Anything in particular? You know, I think I had... I mean, originally I worked with adolescents in traditional programs, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. I had a really um, positive experience in high school and wanted to like replicate that for other um, children, uh, other adolescents. So I, I went straight into high school, as I said, teaching high school right out of college um, and have just been doing that ever since. I, I think there's something about I think I was always drawn to the conversations that you can have with adolescents and these sort of deep philosophical debates that you can get into. Um, and yeah, a lot of, they have a lot of energy. I don't know. And they're real, right? There's, there's a mm. lane, lane open of the truth there that you can be with them, right? Where you can say, I'm having a really hard day. Right. They, I mean, adolescents are, are um, deeply honest Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes too <laughs> honest, one would say. <laughs> I can just say this now living with a couple of them full time again. Um, but it <laughs> but I mean, there there is a power to that. It's so interesting, Kira, you and I had never talked about this before, but I, I originally was going to be a, a secondary uh, English teacher. That was my my original plan in college um until i until i spent a day teaching in a in a high school where it was just i thought i this is so overwhelming the way this functions you know seeing 200 200 adolescents a day and and of course i was 20 21 years old i remember wearing my glasses instead of my contacts to try to make me look older than the students um but it, you know, that traditional model of shoving children into a, you know, one room for 45 minutes, 
teach, teach, teach at them and then, and then send them into the hallways to their next one. Um, it's kind of extraordinary. I mean, I guess it's efficient in a lot of ways, but um, what did you find about like that, having taught in that model and then shifting to the, to the, you know, to working at a Montessori adolescent program? Like what were the, you know, what were some of the other big things or big distinctions that you saw? So, um, you know, I don't think I, I realized that there was another way to do it when I decided mm. to very teaching. I just like, I got hired at a big um, school district in uh, the Los Angeles area and, um, and did that. It had five classrooms, you know, 25, 30 students in a class. Yeah. And, and just, you know, you got through in 50 minutes or so. Um, I, I think that over time that wore me down. And so by the time I was Ten years into teaching, right, and I'd sort of uh, realized that that this was maybe not the trajectory. It's just really hard, right? Like, right. The, I, I specifically at one school that I was at, um, I had like I had six classes. You know, you 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 blew through students every fifty minutes, and um, and at the semester they changed the students again. So I had like spent the whole first semester getting to know students, and then they like half of my class shifted to new students. And I was like, you have to be kidding me, right? Like, oh, I, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I, mean, I mean, I always, I always um, lament that, you know, in an, even in an elementary classroom that you only have one year to get to know a child. Like, how can you possibly really know that child or how they work, right? Yeah. Um, but here it was like six months and I'd only spent 45 minutes a day with them, right? I went down to the counselor's office at that point and said, you know, can this one student who I'd really felt like I'd made connections and progress with, can he be in here? And she's like, oh yeah, totally easy. We didn't even have to change his schedule actually, but it just got changed in the system. Like nobody mm. attention, you know, they were just doing it automatically. Wow. Um, and yeah, I just thought that wasn't for me. And I actually was off. I, I took a break from teaching in that sort of environment for um, three or four years, um, after my youngest child was born um, and was teaching at community college and thought, oh, this is something I can do, teach with working, you know, adults who had gone back to school um, and they were really, uh, they were motivated to be there and they would nod and look quizzically at you when they didn't understand what you were doing, right? It was a very different environment. And I really thought that that was where I was headed was to teach in community college. Um, and then that job at the Montessori Adolescent School opened up and I applied. And the difference there um, was that we went on, like we went on trip one week into the year, right? We, we took the students out to the farm and spent a week with them on the farm. And that was amazing, like camping and having breakfast with them and making dinners with them. And um, I specifically remember like these three boys and I were hoeing potatoes. Um, <laughs> and I, I was reading them a seminar, like reading that we had to have done by that afternoon. And I was reading it out loud to them and they're working really hard. And I'm, uh, you know, we're asking questions as we go through this reading and having this like really deep conversation over potatoes. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's sort of the moment that I identify like as like that, that's wholly different than the experience that I was having in those large public schools. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Really different feeling relationship. Um, just even hierarchy. Um, it, it's just, 
there's really not very much that's the same there. So what I'm kind of hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the the Montessori adolescent programs, the way it's set up, it's sort of, I think it's just like every level of Montessori, it's catering to that adolescent so they can be then like how they truly are when the system is sort of not catering to their characteristics. So because a lot of people, they misunderstand adolescence. Um, for me, for example, like, you know, the traditional model of the adolescent age, I would never want to work with that age group because I sort of just misinterpret, you know, oh, those children are, they're, they're moody. They're going to be, you know, they're going through puberty. They're, you know, going to act out, whatever, you know, and I, I'm speaking from maybe my own experience or just, you know, what kind of the world thinks of adolescence, you know? Um, and so it sort of sounds like you're saying the Montessori model um, is debunking those theories a little bit. It meets their developmental needs, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. the developmental the developmental characteristics that they have and then giving them what they need. And then in that environment, they can do amazing things, right? They're, they are amazing people. Yeah, of course. Well, it's it's just like when Montessori was first working with three to six year olds and the press came and and observed and, you know, hailed the children as like new children, like children that had never mm-hmm. been seen before. And Montessori was like, well, they're not new children. They're just children that have been given the right environment and the and the right things for their developmental needs. And the same is true at the adolescent level, um, you know, when we can offer an environment and those and what is going to support their developmental needs, we're going to see new adolescents, you know, that not that typical, you know, stereotypical um, sort of description that, that, that society has given to them. So Kara, what would you say are the developmental needs of an adolescent? Like I'm not adolescent trained. uh, So I'm actually curious to see what, what they are. You know, I, they have a lot of need to, one of the characteristics, right? A lot of need to sort of debate, argue with, um, mm-hmm. with each other, and so that's one of the things that you can feed with the right um, program environments, that kind of thing. Um, I think um, this idea of social newborn that uh, the material says, right? Adolescents are social newborns, um, and I actually I'd love to talk to you about this because I think like in elementary, right, that um, there is a new there's a new social avenue right for it like mm-hmm. are much more social right um but that the 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 characteristic of social newborn and the adolescent is actually expanded out from there right instead of being in the classroom and being like you're not my best friend anymore you're not invited to my birthday party kind of social right now they're interested in like how they fit into the into the world yeah, I mean, I think that all of the social sort of being, the social being that emerges in the elementary is is someone who, you know, it's after they've come out of the first plane where they've been really self-focused to build themselves, they suddenly are able to start interacting with with their classmates and their family members in a different way, and they become very social. But it's a, a lot of it is practice. I mean, it's just it's really a lot of practice. They are they are getting a lot of guidance and how to work in a group and communicate, and they're just trying to figure out how that works within the classroom or the family or maybe their little community um, in which they're living. But they're that's still very sort of curated and supported by the adults in a lot of ways. 
Whereas I think that social newborn that happens in adolescence is that they can have so many experiences in society that are not supported or curated by adults. And they're, they are, like you said, Kira, trying to figure out not just how do I fit into my classroom or my family, but how do I fit into the world and how do I contribute? And that's a, you know, I like the image of newborn because they are, there's a certain um, uh, helplessness that emerges initially when they're trying to figure this all out, right? Like that they're certainly capable in lots of ways, but also um, they're new at this, you know, and that's where that's where they have a lot of challenges ahead as they navigate all that newness. Um, I think the other is that, that they look like, you know, adults, like they, you know, their, their bodies change, they grow taller, right. They suddenly look like they should be able to do more. And Mm -hmm. actually like they're they're that social newborn is like, they still need a lot of help and support in, in practicing out in society. I remember that with my own kids and and I w- was trained I knew I knew that this was happening I knew the development but it is surprising as a parent to have these really capable elementary age children that have have you know you feel like in some ways hardly need you anymore they're so capable and then to have them shift into this new stage of development um and a lot of some the sort of independence and capabilities it's not that they can't do those things anymore, but they take sort of a back seat, and so they they can appear like they've sort of lost some of that, and um, and it is because of all the psychological work that they need to be doing and the shift in the focus of development. But it's it is I remember being really um, astonished by it as a parent, even though I knew, <laughs> <laughs> right, and. I- Society expects like this is one of the things where I, I feel like Montessori does really well is that society expects growth to be linear, right? That you just keep progressing at the sort of same rate every year. And I think, Jimmy, what you said there is that, right, like that their growth does dip in in the adolescent years, specifically those 12 to 15 year old years, right, where they their ability to handle um, situations changes so right a child that might have been perfectly capable of going over to grandma's house and playing with a friend across the street or whatever you know a year ago suddenly has new anxieties or new questions about how to do that right yeah just new difficulties I think of Mm -hmm. what they're able what they're able to do and what they feel comfortable doing right suddenly they're second guessing themselves again um, yeah in life yeah yeah and it's it's not just hormonal, right? I mean, it's there's a lot going on just with the brain development and the structure of the brain that's not just it's not just the new hormones that are racing through their bodies, but their brain development has gone into another, you know, mode. There's a lot of their their pruning dendrites there there um there's all sorts of sort of physical changes going on in their brain that that um they don't have conscious control over you know so we i found as a parent like i used to be able to have these rational conversations with my 10 year old that shifted with my 12 and 13 year old and it and it's not i had to remind myself that this isn't necessarily something that she's like trying to do or that she's consciously like part of it is the physical developmental experience that she's going through that's beyond 
total conscious control. Right. And I think your, um, your comment, Jamie, about like the brain pruning itself and things like that is that some of the other characteristics of adolescence, the creativity and need for physical movement. And I think those things both come in, in, um, in that idea, right. That we want to make sure as they're sort of pruning and refining what's in their brain, that they're continuing to be exposed to new ideas and new, um, things. So like self-expression becomes really important. Actually somebody, and I can't remember who now, I think it might've been Larry Schaefer, um, said that um, adolescence is a sensitive period for poetry. Um, mm. That is like so right on the money because every, well, maybe it's just every girl, but every single <laughs> <laughs> um, has written poetry, right? You've got some horrible notebook of, of rhyming poems in the back of your closet somewhere, um, right? Because we're, we're trying to figure that out. We're, we're playing with words and expressions and rhyming and you know trying to think deeply about ourselves and and the world and uh, so it's really important yeah and it felt I remember doing those kinds of things because it felt really grown up and mature too Mm -hmm. like um I remember that feeling of wanting to be seen like simultaneously not wanting to be a grown-up because it seemed kind of like a drag, but also wanting to be seen as a grown-up and independent and responsible and doing things that seemed grown-up, even though I now look at those, well, I actually got rid of all of those folders and things recently. (laughs) Um, True, I did. My husband and I went through a bunch and we decided that no one needed to see those. They aren't aren't um important historical documents but but because you look at them and they're so immature Uh, right um, but I but I remember feeling really really mature when I wrote them um Mm -hmm. and and that's a part of it too right Kira like this this desire to seem mature and adult-like even as it you know the it perhaps isn't coming across that way right (laughs) as you can't figure out how to do it but it's still definitely what you want to do yeah yeah I just feel like adolescence I'm I'm reflecting on my own you know my own past as well and I just feel like emotions were just so high and everything felt so like deep you know like every emotion I ever had was like the strongest emotion of all time you know um, there's another thing too. I think I, I vaguely remember this from my elementary training. Isn't there something called like the imaginary audience or the invisible audience or something where, you know, an adolescent thinks everybody's watching them, but really no one's watching them because everybody else feels the same way is, I don't, I don't know if I'm remembering that right. I don't know. I've not heard it called that, but that's totally a, Yeah something that all adolescents feel the world revolves around them right yes right and and I remember that too like you know being really embarrassed in class like if uh if I dropped something or you know who knows what and thinking that everybody on planet earth saw that happen when really everybody else is just as insecure as me you know it's a really sacred time. Montessori calls adolescence, um, a, you know, another, it's a sacred time of development. You know, that transition from childhood to, to adulthood is a big one. Um, and of course, they're feeling vulnerable. And of course, they're feeling um, insecure. But also, it's such a, 
it's such a precious time of development. They're just not cute little toddlers anymore. So it's, you know, um, but the work they're doing is as profound as, as what, um, what toddlers were doing to build their physical independence. Oh, sure. The body's going through so many changes. I mean, not only is it growing, but, you know, puberty and all the hormones and, you know, um, all the, you know, both genders go through life changing, like body events during that time. And that is no small thing either. It's, it's really intense. Three <laughs> talks about valorization, this idea that um, students, uh, adolescents of this age have a figure out something that they're good at, right? That they can be, they get valorized in work that they're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's one of the things that a monastery environment sets up really well for them, mm -hmm. where they can be the expert. So there are, I think in the world, very few places that are looking for the 12 to 15 year old to be an expert in anything. Right. Right. Um, uh, but the Montessori adolescent environment sets up situations where students can um, have those have those very, you know, valorizing experiences where they can be the expert. So when I was in training, they were um, there was a blacksmithing experience and student there was a student there who actually taught the adolescent practitioners. Right. How to um, how to make things out of iron and, you know, twist it around, and make spoons. And, um, oh, cool. It was uh, like, I felt valorized doing that. Right. And I was doing it as a 45 year old um, mm -hmm. <laughs> working with this, like super, these super hot um, coals and to be, you know, making iron do what I wanted it to do. It was an amazing um, experience. And that's the kind of thing that we set up for adolescents, right. That they can have these opportunities to learn things and be the expert in that, in that area. Wow. Kira, do you have ideas as you were talking about that, about that sort of experience to be, you know, the, the opportunity in a Montessori environment that adolescents get to become experts in something, to do real things, you know, work, work in blacksmithing or any, you know, to actually have those real um, interactions and, and make something that's real and needed. Um, and so which is one, you know, one of the things that makes a Montessori adolescent program really distinct from those sort of large public school uh, uh, classrooms we were talking about before. And, and so then I was thinking about right now with, with um, everyone at home and, you know, what are your thoughts on what adolescents or what families can do to support adolescents who are, yes, safe at home, but maybe feeling quite strongly that stuck at home feeling um, because their, their, their environment is not there for them and their peer group isn't, isn't there. Do you have some ideas on helping with that valorization, especially at home, what we can, what parents can do to support that? Well, I think um, one of the natural places there is cooking. I mean, I know that we're cooking at all um, levels of Montessori, right, um, in the home. But I think right. an adolescent could be responsible for a whole meal and that there's something about putting together a whole meal for their family that is really valorizing, right? Mm -hmm. I think that there are still lots of opportunities for self-expression and, and uh, you know, physical movement to be um, part of their experience. At home. So I think kind of 
working into those things. You know, a lot of people have gotten out sewing machines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I took them out of their attics in the last couple of weeks. And um, I I actually, we were doing um, J-Term in January. We were doing a big play experience. And I brought my sewing machine to school. And students thought that was the best thing out there, right? They were like, <laughs> I'm sewing. I'm putting two pieces of fabric together. And right, the machine, right? That's so great. Mm-hmm. Valorizing about that and masks for sure are something that right adolescents could also yeah get into um so I mean I think there's lots of actually the other thing is I just I just uh this morning took my first loaf of sourdough sourdough bread out of the oven and um again you want to talk about a valorizing experience right <laughs> I've never been so proud of myself I think um bread <laughs> <laughs> And that's still like, that's the kind of thing I would do at school with students. And you can do that at home and you don't need, you need, you need flour and water, right? Right. And that is the um, materials you need um, to make that successful. So I, I think there are lots, I think one of the things about Montessori adolescence is that we do it on a farm because it goes back to the roots, right? Back to the ag- agrarian sort of society. And I think that's a little bit of what's happening here with the, um, with our quarantines is that we're going back to right? Not such digital things, all those, all those things that we can actually make bread. We can, Mm -hmm. um, we're planting gardens. Seeds are in short supply. I don't know if you've heard that one. I've heard that. Wow. Wow. So like all of those things are still quite valorizing for the adolescent. There's a lot there. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're maintaining your community, your adolescent community during this time? Yeah. Um, So unlike, I think a lot of other ages, right? That this is actually like middle school is okay. Um, you know, they we're communicating with, I'm communicating with them directly. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, like there's not group zoom meetings. I'm in some cases just having individual conferencing with students, but we're basically meeting as a group every day. And they're so excited to see each other's faces on a daily basis and check in. Sometimes we're, we're having like a philosophy seminar, which is one of the ways that we debate, um, that characteristic so we're continuing those we're having book discussion groups right we can continue to do those online um and actually the other one of the things that we're doing is i've had them choose some kind of self-expression some kind of creative thing to do and then we're sharing that together on fridays and that's proven to be really a special uh, time because some of them are like at home and they're learning how to play one of them let it be on the piano Um, Mm -hmm. nice and uh, we can see his progress over the, the course of the weeks, right? And that's that's really, really lovely. And somebody else made a cardboard fairy garden, fairy home, right, for their <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, that's great. And somebody else is doing um, uh, makeup, like doing makeup artists where they put like a big cut on their hand, right? They did, you know, sort of. Oh, wow. Them. Cool look all gory and gross. And um, that's great. Those are all forms of right creative expression that they can do at home. And then, and then we're sharing them with each other. And so then there's a certain amount of, of valorization that's happening right there, right. Where they can, they can uh, share what they are learning and how they're growing. And that's been really, um, that's been really good. So it's basically, I mean, what I've been doing is checking in with them on a regular basis, right. And making sure we're meeting as a group on a regular basis, being available to them. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, and it, and it can't match the face to face 
you know, t- six, seven hours together in a day, you know, this, so we have to, I think maintaining that community and that connection is one of the biggest keys. Um, and then whatever other learning manages to come along with that, you know, that's great. <laughs> but right, right. Careful of in moving to online learning was not to just revert back to that sort of traditional, okay, math, science, English, you know, social studies, like I didn't want to focus solely on the academics because I don't think that's what a Montessori adolescent program does. Right. And it would be right. so to fall back on that in this scenario. Um, so, right. So another thing that I've done is have them um, do a physical fitness plan. Um, and again, that can vary completely depending on what resources they have at home. Um, but they're making a plan and they're trying to show growth over the course of time. Nice. And that's right, great. Another thing I- that's it's Maybe I should have you make a plan like that with me here. <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel like I need that oh, accountability. <laughs> uh, well, Kira, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us. Yes, this has been so fascinating because I've I've always been intrigued by the Montessori adolescent and I learned so much. Thank you so much. And I and I love your um, advice about, you know, being with your adolescent child at home right now. I think that's super valuable um, to everybody. And, and you know, maybe to you too, Jamie, with your two adolescents. I know. They're, <laughs> they're sure. old, though, <laughs> these ones. But I know. They're, right, 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 right. They're slowly <laughs> emerging. Well, thanks, Kara. It was really great. And I, I wish you the best of luck, you know, hunkered down at home. Um And I look forward to seeing you again in person someday before long. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, it was fantastic. Thank you. 